You're listening to the podcast of Father Billy Daniel. I am an Episcopal priest serving in Church of the Ascension in Knoxville, Tennessee. This podcast features sermons, reflections, and occasional conversations to help you deepen your spiritual life. To learn more about me or to get connected, please visit fatherbillydaniel.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. This homily was preached in Church of the Ascension on Sunday, July 24th, 2022. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. How do we know that it is the will of God that we seek and not our own? How do we know? When we pray day after day, week after week, let your kingdom come, what are we really asking? What does it mean to ask for bread for the day? What does it look like to hold sacred the name of the Father? And what does it really mean to forgive? The Lord's Prayer, writes Evelyn Underhill, is too often taken on hurried lips. Too often taken on hurried lips. The risk of praying this prayer as often as we do is at once the risk of glossing over its fullness because of its familiarity and the risk of actually living into it. Praying with unhurried lips is no small task in a reactive society where our lips move much faster than our hearts and minds. Jesus has been off praying alone. And it's hard to know exactly what the disciples heard or saw, but they're curious enough to ask, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray, would you? In other words, you wander off to talk to God an awful lot. What are you saying out there? What do you tell God? What are you asking God for? The disciples know how to pray the Psalms in the synagogue and how to respond to the priests when they are at worship, but... They're also the people who have the entire Book of Common Prayer memorized. And yet it seems different to them when Jesus goes off to pray, praying on the other side of the hill or in the garden. What kind of conversations is Jesus having with the Father, they want to know? The disciples want to have those kind of conversations with God. You ever thought about this? You ever thought about the kinds of conversations other people must be having in order to live the sort of life that they're living, lives that seem so purposeful and meaningful? Brother Christian, one of the monks at the Abbey of the Genesee, which is nestled in the Genesee River Valley in western New York, is one of those saintly people who you can sit with for about 30 seconds and you know that he and the Spirit must be having the most wonderful conversations. I met Brother Christian on one of my first visits to the Abbey, which was just down the road from my house. And before long, I found myself dropping by several times a week just so I could sit with Brother Christian. 
He would tell me all sorts of stories about people who would pass through the monastery, how the landscape had changed over time, and how the abbey itself had grown and changed. He would tell me things that he learned through the scriptures or the prayers that day or week, something that leapt out in the saying of the Psalms when he was at prayer while he stroked his long gray beard, making the most wonderful sounds. Mmm, yeah. His speech was always unhurried and deliberate. He spoke not as one who worried about being interrupted or, or who needed the final word. He spoke as one who lived daily, as one who prayed constantly. With his infectious laugh and his curiosity about my own conversations with God, Brother Christian showed me what it looks like to pray the Lord's Prayer with unhurried lips. Henry Nowen, who lived at the Abbey of the Genesee for several months, had the great privilege of working alongside Brother Christian when he was probably about my age. He tells a story of this in his book, The Genesee Diaries, about um, working alongside Brother Christian in the bakery of the monastery. They were sorting raisins for the cinnamon and raisin bread, which is my favorite. And as the raisins came down the conveyor, it was their job to make sure that only raisins made it through. I suspect there's more sophisticated equipment these days, but back in the 80s, it was the conveyor belt and human hands. While they were sorting the raisins, Brother Christian stopped the conveyor belt and he said, there's a pebble. Nowen was surprised by this because he didn't see anything that looked like a pebble. But right there, getting ready to be baked into that bread was a small pebble between the raisins, unnoticeable to the eye. Nowen reflected on this scene by highlighting the attentiveness that Brother Christian had developed through prayer, such that he could hear the tiniest clink of a pebble on that conveyor belt ever mindful of those who might bite into a slice of that raisin bread. You can tell how a monk prays, says St. Benedict, by how he sweeps the cloister. You could almost insert anything here. You can tell how a person prays by how they wash the dishes, by how they vacuum the floor, by how they text, email, or walk up to your desk at work, by how they give and receive by how they sort raisins for bread. Hurried lips in prayer give way to a hurried life, while unhurried prayers give way to an attentiveness to God in all things. To pray as Jesus prayed is inseparable from the movements of Jesus at prayer. What does this mean? The Lord's Prayer in many ways captures the entire drama of Scripture. When we ask for bread for the day, we cannot help but recall the Israelites in the wilderness and the instructions given by God to take only the bread needed for the day. To take more than what is given breeds a lack of trust as life spoils with the excess. How can I, for instance, how can I 
ask for daily bread when I buy groceries for the week. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all get rid of our refrigerators. It is important, however, to recognize that even having refrigerators and freezers in our homes poses certain challenges to our ability to orient toward God for the day. It means that we have to be even more deliberate in aligning our attention toward the day, toward the day we've been given, toward the day as something given. Jesus' invitation to pray for the Father's will to be done takes us right into the Garden of Gethsemane where we hear Jesus praying to the Father, if you would, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will, not mine, be done. It is Jesus at prayer in the garden that opens us to hear in the fuller context of prayer the human need to name our desires as well as the human need to defer to the will of God. Be persistent in your asking, says Jesus, knowing that even as flawed as we are, we still know how to give good gifts to our own children, to those whom we hold most dear. Know that God, says Jesus, who alone is good, hears us when we pray. We can trust that God gives more than we could ever ask or imagine because God gives the Holy Spirit who, as we prayed in our collect today, enables us to pass through things temporal so as not to lose the things eternal. Being vulnerable with God in naming what we need opens us to a deeper awareness of our most vital need for oneness with God. Oneness with God is the longing that lies in the depths of our souls from which our needs and desires, if we are not careful, often distract. Yet naming these in prayer affords us the opportunity to see through them, to see through them toward our deeper desire for belonging in God, the desire to know that we belong. There is a, another aspect of the Lord's Prayer that rises to the surface more clearly in Luke's gospel than we see in Matthew's, which is this whole business of God forgiving our sins and our forgiving those indebted to us as removing any kind of contingency or exchange from the equation. In other words, we are called to forgive others whether they ask for our forgiveness or not. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's the prayer that Jesus prays from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God's forgiveness is not contingent upon our repentance. God's forgiveness is not contingent upon our repentance. That's a hard one. What does this tell us about God? It tells us that God's forgiveness makes our repentance possible. It is not our turning away from sin and evil that brings about reconciliation with God and others. It is Jesus' total 
orientation of love, mercy, and grace that shines the light of God's countenance on the whole of creation, revealing creation to be ordered and governed by love, mercy, and grace. It also means that when I hold on to another's wrongdoing, how they have sinned against me, it is only I who remain bound to the sin, which, if I resist forgiving, contorts my entire being, body, mind, and soul. If I cannot forgive before someone apologizes or repents, I may very well be preventing both of us from the healing of God, from the healing that God desires to bring about. What also became clear to me this past week is that forgiving others before they ask keeps me from judgment. If I forgive before forgiveness is asked, I do not impose my own sense of being wronged or my felt sense of being offended upon the other person. It is not to deny that I've been harmed. It means rather that I don't give it power over me. I do not let the harm dictate my response. This also allows me to peer into the humanity of the other and receive them as one who has come to me from somewhere with a background that is not my own, with sensibilities that are not my own, with parents who are not my own, with friends who are not my own, so that I can see them, so that I can really see them as a particular instance of God's presence, as flawed as they might be, and yet as a unique opportunity for me to become more fully alive. So, how do I know I am seeking God's will and not my own? Do I forgive before forgiveness is asked? Am I honest and vulnerable with God about what I need and desire, all the while listening deeply as though praying in the garden with Jesus? Am I seeking bread for the day, or am I taking more than I need? Our Lord's Prayer is not simply a compilation of words that we pray together in this place. It is a patterned life marked by trust and God and forgiveness without judgment, where the movement of the Spirit is our bread for the day, a life where we are made holy by hallowing the name of the Holy One. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing in Church of the Ascension, visit knoxvilleascension.org.